welcome once again. So let us know where you're watching from, who's watching. We'd love to know. Uh, so many blessings upon you. Uh, but before we start, uh, I'm sure many of you are aware that there's been uh, a disaster in the United States of America. Many, many tornadoes hit at one time. Uh, a whole city of Mayfield, Kentucky, the whole town was basically uh, destroyed. And so I know I said that I wouldn't be asking for giving anymore, you know, but situational dependent. And uh, you know what? People need you to be Jesus to them. Now, I know people get offended. You mention money and people skedaddle like, you know, cockroaches uh, in the light. But, you know, this is part of being the church. And th this was exemplified, by the way, uh, by the early church, where it said all gave and there were none in need. All right. So, you know, when we decide to show off Jesus to other people, we, we don't question their beliefs. You know, atheist, Baptist, charismatic, whatever have you. doesn't matter. Why? Because we need to show Jesus, right? Jesus didn't say, by the way, only be light and salt, you know, to those that I approve of. No. <clears throat> We're supposed to show his light. And it's more than words, by the way, you know, actions speak louder than words. So are you ready? Are you ready to be Jesus to people? Because that's what we're asking for this, this morning. So if every dime donated today, specifically this specific Sunday, will go toward those people in Kentucky that need you. All right. Christmas is coming up. Not many of these people are, are, are have no homes. Okay, businesses are destroyed. So now, now um, the way they made money and earned money, now they can't do it anymore. All right, not not to mention that the, I can I can I, I cannot even imagine the financial burden, right, of having nothing and having to get it all, have to get it all over again, having to to find a place to live, you know, having to get a a, a new car or, or some kind of car. You see, this is this is the reality right now, right? So, so while you may be out there living comfortable, you know, in other words, you have a roof over your head, probably have a job. These people are not, and it's Christmas time. All right, now they have no gifts to give to their kids. As you can tell, this is, yeah, yeah, I'm grieved, grieved by this, and and we need to help people out. We need to gather together. In unity, say, you know what? I'm putting putting aside my differences, okay? I'm putting aside condemning people. Or I'm going to show them Jesus. I don't care if they're Muslim. I don't care if they're a Satanist. Don't care if they look like me, talk like me, walk like me. Drunks, whatever. We're, we're going to be Jesus to people. C can we at least come into agreement with that? Let's, let's set aside petty differences and be Jews to people. So I'm going to put it, uh, should be put up on the screen, uh, three ways that you can give, whether in the United States or outside of the United States. So on your screen, you'll see uh, one is Cash App. So you can scan the QR code with your with your uh, mobile device uh, camera and it will, it will uh, a link will, should pop up. And then you click that link and it'll take you directly there. You can go to Venmo. Uh, you can also use PayPal, which is more friendly for people outside of the United States. Um, but if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, the links are also down there uh, to give. So I'm going to pray. Well, I'm going to leave it up on the screen. I'm going to pray over the offering right now. Lord Jesus, we pray over this. Every, every person out there listening that you would pierce their hearts to give, Lord, any amount. Lord, and, and that you would bless this amount. Whatever, whatever money is given, that would be such a tremendous blessing to people who need it, who, who are in far more need than us. We ask for your blessings upon them right now. Every, everybody who, uh, whose lives have been decimated by the tornado, we ask your blessings upon their lives. We ask for, for Lord Jesus, Lord, that these families would be taken care of and that we would be able to take care of them and be you here on earth, your agents on this earth. And we pray that a supernatural increase would, would, <clears throat> would be upon the offering, Lord. A, fi a supernatural financial increase 
so that it will bless these people who are in so need. Lord, thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now that's now we're getting into the message. You know, last week um <clears throat> I did a sermon and it was called the compromised church. And I kind of laid out all these different things more uh, generalized and getting into some spe uh, specific points about the compromised church. Why? Because we are a compromised church right now, right? I, I've even talked about a lot of these things in, in, in the podcast, Restoring Your Voice, right? If you don't know, Restoring Your Voice is a Restore to Life Church podcast. And I've been talking about a lot of these areas. <clears throat> you know, uh, last week I talked about some of these uh, areas of compromise. I did a special broadcast about how how we've treated salvation and we watered it down and changed its meaning, and that's an area of compromise, right? In other words, in other words, we say that oh, if you said a prayer, that means you're saved, and it, that doesn't mean anything. Anybody can utter up a prayer just because you went to church, whatever. And when we when we water down salvation, where we don't care about the fruits anymore, right? We don't care what the Bible says. We're compromised. Compromise and, and we wonder why why is the world the way it is? Why? Because we compromised. We we compromised first. We worship idols first. We we invited other gods. We invited the golden calf into our church and called it Yahweh. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, by the way, at, at Mount Sinai while Moses was up there, and the people clamored and Aaron's succumbed to it and they built this golden calf you know but you know what they didn't name it Baal right they didn't name it Asherah they named it Yahweh they built that idol and gave it the covenant name of God and that will that's that's where we are at currently in the church now you say well brother not my church brother not me well God bless you praise God for that but we are one body so it doesn't matter and until we get the idea that we are in that we are one body, I'm telling you right now, this compromise isn't going to leave. We need to realize that today. All right, pride is destroying us, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray over the message, Lord. We invite you into this message in Jesus' name. Be very, 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 very present. Lord, there is no time or distance to the, in the Spirit. You are the creator of all time. Lord, we pray for every person listening. Lord, we, we pray in the name of Jesus that, that, that their, hearts would, their hearts would be pricked. Your conviction would fall. Your holy fire would fall upon us in Jesus' name. And that <clears throat> through this message, Lord, you would draw people back to you. Lord, draw us closer to your heart. Lord, I humble myself. I'm your humble vessel. Speak through me. Lord, less of me and more of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to get into the message, pride. Pride, because pride has destroyed it, you know. Pride has destroyed the church. Pride has destroyed our relationship with God, and we don't even know it. We think we have a relationship with God, but we don't even know it. That's, that is the sad part. And, and we wonder why why have we fallen so far? You know, we, we and your brother, well, look at the size of my church. You know what? A church size doesn't matter. That's that, that right there. Look at the size of my church right alone is pride. When we start saying, look at this, it's pride. Not, not necessarily when we say, hey, look what we've given to or this. Hey, we're praising God, lifting God. No, when we point to when we point to things like, look how big we are, right? Look how many people are part of our congregation, whatever it may be in the church. That is pride right there. Look at me and what I've done. And, and we've gotten to this point and we think things like that. Why? Because we flipped the script. It used to be God, <clears throat> not my way, not our way, your way. But we said, God, it's our way. Not your way. And yet he's Yahweh. The Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. The ruler and creator of all. One day. 
One day, whether you like it or not, every every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day. One day. If you don't think any of this is true, then let's bring up some scriptures. Let's let's start off with what does the Bible say about pride and its dangers? Well, Proverbs. Now, there are many other places. There are tons and tons and tons of scriptures I could have brought up about pride. Mentioned in Psalms, mentioned in in and in Proverbs, mentioned in Isaiah, mentioned in many, many other places. But it says that pride comes before destruction. That's why I believe this is the most insidious sin ever. Well, you say, well, brother, what about the murder of the unborn? Oh, insidious. But the, only, the reason why I believe that we murder the unborn is because we are so prideful, right? Don't you hear that? My, my body, my choice, pride. Pride when we think that that the, the life of a child is up to us whether it should live or not. Why? Because it's my body when it's really not part of your body, by the way. It is a separate life. A life with its own soul and its own spirit. But we're so prideful that no, it's up to my, you know, my my pride, my choice. It's not. It's your choice, but when you have to suffer the consequence of that choice, don't come crying. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. That's why I believe this is the most insidious sin ever, because it leads to destruction. We have a sin, yes, that leads to destruction elsewhere in the Bible. I believe I believe that sin that's unmentioned is pride. I, I truly believe it. Because pride leads to every other sin. Right, we don't <clears throat> we don't sin. We don't sin just because we sin because we have pride, because we believe we're better. Our way is better. And when we put all these things listing why it's better, and then we and we and we take God, and we say no God, and, and then we define Him, and that's never meant to be. It also says a person's pride will humble him. But a humble spirit will gain honor. It's your choice. You're, you're going to be humbled one way or another. You're going to make the choice to humble yourself or God's going to humble you. Either you're going to bend or you're going to break. It's your choice. But if you don't, it's also your choice. It's also your choice. And when the consequences happen, we suffer the consequences of our choices and we're so prideful we don't even care. What I mean, something like, I don't know. Well, man, I'm in I'm in so much debt over my up to my eyeballs. I got, you know, and, and barring, of course, any type of um emergencies, like like I said, like I mentioned in the beginning about Mayfield, Kentucky. I, barring something like that, right? <clears throat> up to my eyeballs in debt. You know what? Well, maybe you should have thought before buying that new Mustang. Now you have to choose whether you can afford the car or the insurance. You know, may, maybe <clears throat> you should have made better choices, but you didn't. Now you want to blame somebody, anybody. Don't look in the mirror, though. Oh, heaven forbid we do that. Heaven forbid we confront the sin in our life. The pride in our life and where we make it all about me, me, me. Right? Doesn't that fit the American church? Doesn't that fit... American churchianity, right? Where now it's all about us, right? The health and wealth, prosperity gospel. The Osteens, the Copelands of the world, right? Where, where they say, well, if you do this, God is going to make you rich. No, the Bible never says anything about that. If you do that, wow, you know what? You're going to be blessed beyond measure. And then we take something like that, and we make it to mean, oh, we'll have friends, we'll have we'll have a bigger circle. The Bible never talked about that. You want to know the mark of a true, humble person who walks with God, who values God above all else? The true mark is that they're hated by the world. They're despised, they're rejected. Why? Because Jesus was first. And Jesus says, they hate you because they first hated me. He didn't say rejoice 
because you're rich and wealthy, because you walk in perfect health. No. He said rejoice when you're persecuted and they say all things of evil against you and they slander you and they throw you out. Rejoice. That is the true mark of a person who walks and values God above all else. I'm not saying we're alone. I'm not saying no man is an island, but the world is going to look at us. Even people in the church who think they're saved, they're going to look at us and hate us and despise us. Brothers and sisters, how dare you preach holiness? Didn't Jesus say don't judge? That's pride. Pride when we won't submit to ourselves. The Bible talks about submitting one to another. And no, that's not just in the context of marriage. Submit to one another. We don't like that word. I, ooh, who, who are you to tell me? Well, you know what? Satan, when he was still Lucifer in heaven, had the very same mentality. That's why pride is the first and it's the first and the worst. The first and the worst sin ever, right? Here we go with scripture, uh, starting in Isaiah 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 12. And I'm, and I'm using the Holman Christian Study Bible today. It says, shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens, you destroyer of nations. You have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest part of the north. Notice the I statements. I, I, not, not a single we in there. I will do this. I will do that. Don't we have the same mentality in the church today? Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm going to live my life. Don't judge. I, I, all about me, selfishness, pride and selfishness go hand in hand, I believe. I will do this. I will study the Bible when I want to. I will pray when I want to. And then they wonder, people wonder why they're spiritually bankrupt, why they're trapped. Why they can't get free from depression and anxiety. Why they fall so easily and life knocks them down. Because all by I and me, selfish pride. Don't you dare tell me what to do. I'll do it my way. You know, I, I hate, I despise that song, by the way, by Frank Sinatra. Right? The song sings about, I believe it's the most, one of the most prideful songs out there. I did it my way. Yeah. And then you went on the highway to hell. Moving on. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And pause there for a second. I'll leave the scripture up on the screen. Pause there. I will make myself. Don't we do that? You know, you know, you know what that looks like in your life, in my life? Anytime, anytime God tells us to do something and we disobey. I'm not saying necessarily personally. We'll just go with the scripture word. Just, just scripture alone, right? Crazy things like, I don't know, love your neighbor as yourself. But no, we don't want to do that. No, my neighbor was ugly to me. My neighbor hates me. Oh, they didn't help me out when I want to be helped out. Yada, yada, yada. All right. That, that is conditional love. That says, I will love you, you know, only as much as you show me love. But that's not the kingdom mentality. Kingdom mentality says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. In other words, in other words, you love people how they how you want them to love you back. Not whether or not they love you back, by the way. But no, we don't want to do it that way. Who am I to do that? Who am I to pray for my enemies and bless them when they persecute me and say all evil things against me? Maybe, maybe we could talk about in, <clears throat> in today's context when they deplatform me, for instance. I don't know. Maybe when they throw me in jail because that's what's happening just very up north right there. Our northern neighbor Canada, that's happening. You're there preaching against homosexuality. You ever say something like that is wrong, boom, you're going to jail. You know, I just saw something on um, uh, circulating on social media <clears throat> where, where a, a teenage girl is up there, right? You know what she's doing to the people responsible for murdering her dad? Blessing them, praying for them, wanting to, hoping one day to get the chance to preach the gospel to them. That's love. That's humility right there. A teenage girl has more humility than the American church at large has in the whole body. You know, I like to, I would say that she has more humility in her little finger than the church in America does as a whole. 
showing that love. But no, I don't want to do it that way. No, I don't want to give my money to the poor, to the needy, even though the Bible says that true religion is taking care of the, the poor, the orphans, and the widows. But I don't want to do that. That's my money to do what I want to do. We walk in disobedience. We, we walk in disobedience daily and we want to say we're saved. We have the pride to say that we have salvation while living in disobedience, even though the Bible says, John chapter 3, right at the end, that the wrath of God abides upon the disobedient. But we don't want to recognize that because we're too prideful. You want to know what the end of a prideful person is? Continuing on in scripture. But you will be brought down to Sheol. Into the deepest regions of the pit. You don't think that's real? You don't think that warning is in there? Why? Oh, well, I was just talking about, you know, Lucifer, Satan, or, or the king of Babylon. Because, you know, this is a, by the way, a twofold um, script, section of scripture talking about both. Oh, no, no, no. Have you not read the book of Revelation? Didn't you read the end? Didn't you read what happens in the end one day? When the goat gets thrown into the pit of fire forever? Yeah, that's real. I'm not trying to fear anybody to do anything, but I need to make it real to you. This is what happens to the pride and the pride prideful people and the arrogant people. Well, you don't think you don't think that's true? How about Ezekiel? Like Ezekiel 28, 17. Your heart became proud. Whoa. A derivative of the word pride. Because of your beauty, for the sake of your splendor, for you corrupted your wisdom. So I threw you down to the earth. I made you a spectacle before. Can you that what we do today? I've seen it so often and it sickens me. Honestly. Honestly, it angers me. It sickens me. It grieves me. Right? This pride because of our beauty. Don't you know I'm apostle so-and-so? I'm prophet so-and-so. Right? That's pride. Stinks and reeks of pride calling with, with all these titles. I'm not, I'm not against titles per se, but when you identify with your title more than you do with the Lord, that's pride. How do I know that? Jesus didn't walk around saying, you shall and you better call me Lord Jesus or else. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who in John chapter 1, it makes it clear that nothing was created without him. That makes that means you and me. And yet he walked among these people, showing humility, rejecting pride. Brother Paul exemplified this. I have crucified my flesh with this lust and desire. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I died to self daily, Paul wrote. Self, that's humility. Pride says, no, who am I? No, I don't want to die to self. I love me. No, don't you know, but I, I said that prayer. I repeated it. Who are you to tell me what to do now? And yet the Bible makes it clear, not only to submit ourselves one to another, but to submit to, you, to the leader, to your leaders. Why? Because God appoints leaders. Not so that we can triumph over you and rule over you but so that we can actually lead you and disciple you. People hate that word, disciple. They hate that discipleship. No, I mean, that means I can't do it my way. It means I actually have to submit. Pride. A satanic pride, because pride is sat from Satan. Nowhere else. Pride is purely, utterly satanic. The, the pride that caused Satan to fall in the first place. We know Jesus highlights that. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Who, who, who are we, right? I mean, don't we, don't, don't we, you know, do whatever we want to do? And, and we start lifting up. And we start pointing out everything we've done. You know, I, I believe that's why so many of the quote-unquote prophets are the way they are right now. Pride. Here we are over over a year past uh, the when the elections took place, coming up on January, Trump is president. Really, I didn't. I don't see him in the White House. 
Price says, Price says, you know what? I didn't get it wrong. It's everybody else's fault. Look at the profits now. Well, people didn't pray hard enough. People didn't do this enough. Everybody else's fault. Don't want to take up, take responsibility. And then we wonder why there are so many people rejecting prophetic words, reject, re rejecting the office of prophet. Why? Because we profane the holy name of God. We don't. We refuse to make His name holy anymore. You know that that the Lord's prayer, often quoted, "How would be my be your name?" Right. Better translated as "Sanctified be your name," which means to make His name holy. God, we're praying, make. May your name be made holy, but no, we profane his name out of pride. What? No, I don't do that. I'm up there preaching sermons every day. Yeah? When's the last time you preached repentance, holiness, God's standards? And, and, it, was, and it was more about more, more about God than about a good marriage. By the way, you can't have a good marriage without God. Pride is of Satan. Pride has made it selfish. You know, people cry to God, why hasn't God heard our prayers? Why isn't it moving? Revival, revival. We haven't seen it. Maybe some pockets of revival here and there, sure. Georgia, Arizona, some places like that. But revival in the American church, not there. Why? Well, why are we even crying out for revival? What, what is our motivations? Because in the book of Job, and I'm, I'm going to read this, this, this scripture I have, in case you're wondering, it looks funny. It's from uh, Dr. Dr. Michael Brown's commentary on Job that he wrote. It says here, people cry out because of oppression, of great oppression, right? True. Great oppression we see happening, increasing day by day. The call for help because of the power of the mighty. Okay, so far so good, right? How about the, the next one? Yet none of them say, where is my God, my maker? The one who gives song in the night. Whoa. So, so what? How, how would we put that today? What examples can we use today? God delivers. God delivers. God this. But what are our motivations behind it? Are we actually looking for God? Are we just crying out his name so that may, our lives can be more comfortable? We can del be delivered from persecution. Yet, the Bible says that we will be delivered into the hands of our enemies. And then say we'll escape the first death. Then the Bible says nothing about that. Oh God, make and we and we want all these cry out to God because we want our life to be more comfortable. That's really why. I mean, look look at these people who who flee from California. California's an evil state. God never called us to flee from trouble. He called us to flee from temptation, but He never called us to flee. From wherever trouble is at. People want to. Don't like it. They don't like to fight. Pride. I believe that's why many people leave. So called quote unquote leave the faith. Why? Because God didn't make them comfortable. He didn't answer their prayers. Oh I think God didn't answer my prayers. Oh, I don't have a an exact reason. Every time God answers prayers. But when we pray prayers. Because we want our lives to be comfortable. We don't want trouble in our life. When we, when we do that type of stuff with that motivation, God isn't going to answer us. God isn't going to answer us. Now I'm going to I'm going to open up this commentary here. I'm going to open up the commentary real quick, and uh, lo I love it. So, um, so this is this is uh, Doctor Brown, Doctor Michael Brown's commentary, and it says. Uh, here, Elihu, right, because this is Elihu talking, by the way, addresses another of Job's accusations against God, giving the response, verses 9 through 12, before stating the complaint, verses 12 through 11, namely, that God doesn't respond to the cries of the oppressed. It is true, Elihu agrees, that people cry out because of great oppression, right? So, a good thing. But, it is a selfish cry, a utilitarian cry, not one truly directed to the Creator and Deliverer. None of them are really looking for Him, asking, where is God my Maker? Either they failed to acknowledge His goodness and mercy in the past, making them ungrateful, or they refuse to turn to Him now. Yet He was their source of light and hope in the darkness, the one who set them apart from the animal world. So, 
when they do cry out, he doesn't answer because of the pride of their wicked hearts. Don't we do that? Instead of looking for God in our time of trouble, in our time of tribulation, through the oppression, the persecution, whatever it may be, sickness, lack, whatever, instead of looking for God saying, God, where are you in this? No. Instead, we cry out, make my life comfortable. Don't you know I need more money, God? You know, and then we wait for him to answer us and we never move because we never looked for God in that in the first place. We, we don't move. Pride says, I'm not going to move. God, you come down to my level. You, you come down to my level. I know, I know stuff like that. God will meet us where we're at kind of kind of stuff preached in the soft serve Christianity churches. No. Mm-mm. Bible didn't say anything about that. No, we humble ourselves before God. We come to him saying, you are my Lord and my King. We want to cry out, God, I will move when you answer my prayer. When God has called us to move already. We wonder why. God didn't answer me. No, God did answer you. He did tell you what to do and you refused to go. And you expect God to continually answer you? When God has already told you what to do? That's not what the Bible says. Man, don't you know to do right? I know it's not exact translation. Man, don't you know, right, to love justice? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Justice? What, that means I got to, I want justice for the unborn? I have to, I have to put, my, I have to put my, my reputation on the line for that? What? I have to get, I want, you know, girls who are, and, and very young girls, by the way, young boys who are being sex trafficked. You mean I got to do something about that? Yeah. Love justice. Seek mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Seek mercy, it says. We don't want justice. No, no, no. I want justice for me. Don't you know who offended me? Don't you know what they said against me and did against me? You know who had the same attitude? The sons of thunder. Jesus, don't you know they rejected us? I want to call down fire on them. You know what Jesus told him? He said, you don't know what spirit you are of. That's what he told him. He rebuked him. Yeah, that Jesus. I'm trying to be nice. No, it's time to get back to the real Jesus. The one who says it's my way. I am king, I am Lord. Yeah, Jesus didn't put up with that rebellion nonsense. Right? How do we know that? He rebuked Peter numerous times. Sure, he, 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 he was, and it wasn't just Peter who rebuked. He rebuked his apostles and his disciples numerous times for that kind of stuff. You don't get it, he would say to them, stuff like that. How could you still not get it? They don't want to get it because they were looking for a different God. A God that met that that was supposed to meet their expectations. In the day of Roman oppression, they were expecting a God to come that was going to destroy the Roman Empire. Deliver them in their view. But that wasn't no God. No. Jesus did deliver them, but not in the way they wanted. And they left. What do you mean, brother, they left? Well, Paul tells us that over 500 people were there when Jesus ascended. You know how many people stayed in the upper room when Jesus told them, hey, go wait? 120. 120 out of over 500. So we don't know the exact number. It could, be, it could have been 1,000. We don't know that exactly, but over 500. And out of that, only 120 people left. Why? Because I believe that, that, that Jesus didn't fit their narrative pride arrogance what i gotta wait um huh yeah out of pride we don't recognize that we don't recognize that god has our best in mind that best doesn't always look like what we want it to look like in our in our especially here in america where we think our best should look like you know two cars white picket fence we, we don't like that 
We don't like that. So what is the source of all of this? Why are we in trouble? You know, it, it's it's easy to point out, well, Satan, Satanic attack. It's demons. I'm going to cast those demons out. Now, here's what the Bible really says. In James 4, chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't, don't they come from the water spirits? Don't they come from Leviathan? Don't they come from that Python spirit, the Jezebel spirit? No, it doesn't say anything like that. It's easy to point, oh, it's somebody else's fault. Not my fault. I can't be responsible for myself. No, what does it say? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You do not have because you do not ask. Right? We, we love that part, right? Just, just ask. Ask in faith, believing. We, we love that part of the Bible, right? The cut and paste Christians. But Scripture, as usual, goes farther than that. Verse 3. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your evil desires. Selfish. Pride. Arrogance. God, how dare you reject my prayers? How dare you reject me? Because we don't want to glorify God. You know, we love those types of scriptures, right? Just, just ask in faith, believing. Ask and it will be given to you. Oh, we love those type of prayers. But then we forget prayers like this, that we ask with the wrong motive. God isn't going to answer us. And that when we do pray, it should be to the glory of the Father, not to the glory of us. But we often pray prayers like that, don't we? God, increase my ministry. God, may my prophetic word get published, whatever it may be. And yet we don't even realize that we made ourselves enemies of God when we do stuff like that. Yeah, it's that serious. That's what the world does. That's why. It says this, continuing on in James chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friends becomes God's enemies. Pause. Friendship with the world says that I, I'm not going to speak to you. I'm not going to preach the gospel. We're just going to be friends. That's what friendship with the world looks like. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to make you angry. All the while, all the while at the expense of that person's soul. Why? Because you never had the unction, you never had the courage, and you were too cowardly to offer them a chance at eternal life. It may not be you where that person will repent to. But anyway, it's not us, and Paul says that. It's one who waters, one who plants, one who waters, but it's the Holy Spirit to save. We're too arrogant and prideful to say, to do that though. What? I, I, but, but humility means I don't offend somebody. No, that's not what it means at all. It means we value God and things of God above all else. If that comes at the expense of people, so be it. But Jesus did say that. In fact, he said it to the kind. Now, I know that this scripture verse will, you know, often offends um, the practicing Jews. He said, if you love father or mother more than me, you are not worthy of me. That's pretty strong language right there. What? You mean I can't love my friends that I currently have? No, it didn't say that. It says if you make them an idol, because that's what idolatry is, anything or anyone we put above God. So when you love them more, and what would that look like? Well, I don't, I don't want to really let them know I'm a Christian. Or, or I say I'm a Christian, but I don't dare offer the gospel to them. I'm not saying offering the gospel has to look a certain way. There's only one way to do it. You do it your way. Each of us has a different way to do it. That's why, that's why I love that book that Mark Middleberg wrote called Contagious Faith, where it teaches people how you can share the gospel. 
But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about each person has a, has a, has a different way of doing it. What I'm talking about is not doing it because you're a coward. See, true humility brings boldness. How do I know that? It says in verse 5, first off, or do you think it's without reason the scriptures says that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealousy, jealously. Continuing on. But he gives greater grace who the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. See? That word grace, by the way, doesn't mean, oh, you're going to get what you don't deserve. He's going to empower you. When you decide to humble yourself, you get that power that comes from one source alone. And out of that is when you act. Out of that, out of that, you get boldness. You love God more than anything else because you love God. You love those people. And then you're going to preach the gospel to them regardless of consequences because at least, at least you love what God loves, people. Redemption. We're often too arrogant. Remember, remember I talked about arrogance, right, and pride? beginning satanic pride arrogance remember I talked about that because we don't want to submit we want to try and resist the devil when we when we let the devil live within us and in us and around us when we're living like the devil himself too arrogant to do what God tells us to do right here we are in, in, in uh, James continuing on in James same chapter, verse 6. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, submission and humility is of God. Pride is of Satan. We want the devil to flee from us. We want to get all this out, but we refuse to su submit to God. It doesn't work that way. I know it's backwards from what the world tells us to do. Right? The world tells us we got to, we got to, you know, do X, Y, Z. We, we got to meet these standards. You know, we got to, okay, you got to climb the corporate ladder kind of thing going on here. But that's not what God says. He said, no, we got to go low. You want me to bring you up? You got to go low first. The world says go up high. And then God says, you know what? I'm going to bring you down when you do that. We go low if we want to be brought up first. That's the kingdom of God. The exact opposite from the world. So after saying all this, and it could be numerous examples, so what is the solution, right? I mean, it's one thing to, to point out problems and stuff. Kind of worthless without solutions, right? But luckily, as always, the Bible offers a solution. It's a simple thing. Repent. Repent and humble ourselves. We need to do that today. How do I know that? Continuing on James chapter 4. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In other words, we have a choice. God doesn't draw near to us first. I know that gets backwards. Oftentimes I hear it. But it says that we have to draw near to him first and then he draws near to us. So we, we know, I know that the Bible says that the, the Father is the one who calls us. Absolutely. But he's not calling us from right here, by the way. He's calling us from the throne. It's our choice to Draw near to the throne and bow down at the foot of the throne. It's our choice. God is thankfully does give us a choice. That's the good news. And that while we yet draw breath, we have a choice. And that should give you hope today. Or maybe you are living right. It still should give you hope for the church in America and every believer in America. Or people who call themselves believers and are not. Regardless. Regardless, it should offer you hope. We are, we are not hopeless. Amen? Until, until the return of Jesus, we are not hopeless. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how many statues of the beast are made and put up around the world. As long as, until Jesus returns, there's hope for every single person here. But you got to recognize, if, if this message really, truly convicted you, you got to recognize you are not living a right life. 
You've been living the life of a sinner, not a saint. Why? Because the Bible tells us, cleanse your hands. Now, mind you, by the way, James, the half-brother of Jesus, Jacob, is his real name, by the way, is writing, writing to a synagogue, right? He's writing to a group of Jewish believers. So he's writing this to, to, to this group, by the way. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Aren't we that way? We can't be double-minded. We can't say, God, I want your way, and then we go that way. That's double-minded. You know, when we start flip-flopping on issues, I'm talking about the major issues. I'm not talking about minor things. All right, minor things like, okay, well, I, I was pre-trib, non-post-trib, or I'm post-trib, non-pre-trib, or mid -trib, whatever it may be. That's minor. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about whether, uh, you know, some person believes uh, when the earth was created, how long it took. That's not what I'm talking about. It's minor. Whatever. We can, we, we, we can wrestle with that all the long day. It's not going to affect our salvation. It's not going to affect our walk with God because we still recognize God as God. I'm talking about the major issues. I'm talking about major issues that like a virus has infected the church. Major issues like, you know what? I'm always saved. Nothing I do will ever take me out of the salvation of God. And yet here James is writing to people like that. I believe they probably had, a lot of them probably had that stinky attitude right there. Oh, actually, I came to salvation. I'm good to go. We have let that type of crap, excuse my language, infiltrate the church. That junk, that nonsense. We let it infiltrate. Why? Because we don't like submission. We don't like to recognize sin. We don't like to recognize total depravity. In other words, mankind separate from Jesus is totally depraved and can never, never get right on their own. Outside of God, there is no righteousness. If we don't recognize that, we'll never get right. It says, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Why? Over our sin. That we have sin in the camp. We have idolatry in the camp. We'll call anything Christian. You know, it's gotten so bad, we'll slap the label Christian on anything. Many people get offended sometimes when other people, oh, this is Christian. You know what? The reason that happens and it's because we allowed it to happen first. We let it happen and we refuse to mourn over it. We don't cry. We don't know what repentance looks like. We don't know what a broken and contrite heart looks like anymore. You know what it looks like? It looks like David when Nathan came to him. Nathan came to him offering him the chance of redemption. You know, my friend Ryan Johnson, I love he posted about this. It wasn't to shame him. Or condemn him. It was offering David a chance of redemption. And I and I completely agree with that. Nathan came and offered David the chance after the heinous sin that David committed. Nathan came to him and offered him the chance of redemption. You know what David did? He didn't say, Nathan, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm the king. He could have told Nathan that I'm the king. I'm the one in charge. I'm the big man. Who are you to tell me that? Maybe David could have said, Nathan, don't judge. Right? No, what did he do? And we know because it's written in the Psalms. David wept. He got on his face before the Lord and wept. When's the last time you wept? When's the last time something was exposed in your life that God wanted to take care of in you and you rejected it instead? When's the last time you wept over it? When's the last time stinging, mocking, whatever type of words came out of your mouth toward another person and you walked away feeling so justified? When's the last time you wept over that? When's the last time you wept over the murder of the unborn? When's the last time you even wept about the sin in the church? I can't tell you how often I do that. 
When's the last time you wept over that? Well, brother, don't you know I'm so right with God? Well, I'm, I'm glad you're so right with God. Or the church you go to is so right with God. But corporate repentance is also a real thing. Daniel did that. Daniel was right with God. He was so right with God. He was so right with God that, that he became, he, 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 you know, first Nebuchadnezzar appointed him above all of his other wise men that he had. And Daniel was so right with God that the lions couldn't harm him in Persia and such. He was so, but he fell down on his face and repented for the sins of Israel. And yet we refuse to repent for the sins of the church that we committed. And we commit them daily and we call Jesus. We dare, we dare to identify Jesus and sin together. When's the last time you wept? Because that's what leads to humility. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You, you want to move where God told you to move? You got to humble yourself first. I told you. You got to go low before you go up. You don't go up first. It's time we humble ourselves today. I'm calling for humility. I'm calling for repentance. In Jesus' name. I'm so broken hearted. So grieved over the state of the church. So grieved that the evil we have let infect America. That we dare have a person as president who supports abortion vehemently. And we dare say we're evangelicals for Biden. I'm not, I'm not dabbling in politics here, but we, but we dare to do that. We dare to mock God to his face. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen to the modern worship songs we have today. Worship, quote unquote. It's all about me and I. God bless me songs. God, I'm so glad you blessed me. When's the last time we said, I exalt thee? When's the last time we sung about the characteristics of God? When's the last time? Because that's what worship is. We focus on God alone, but we don't do that anymore. It's all about the means and the eyes. God I'm, God, I'm so thankful that I'm so great. I'm so awesome. Yeah. No, it's time to humble ourselves today. Lord, we come before your throne. We are not worthy of your mercy and grace. Lord, it surprises me and shocks me. That your judgment and the wrath hasn't yet been poured out on your American church. Lord, we are so deserving of that. And yet, in, 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 in your infinite mercy, as the word says, Lord, you're not patient as we are patient. And thank you so, Lord, that it, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to you, Lord. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve it at all, Lord. But you are, Lord. And we repent today, Lord. We have sinned and fallen so far from you, Lord. We walked away. Some of us were, were never there. But we ask for your forgiveness. I want you to repent today. If you need to repent in corporate repentance, fine. If you need to come to Jesus or come back to Jesus, you need to do so today. Don't put it off. You believe me. God is mercy, merciful, but God is also just. Which means, if we don't repent today, God will have no choice but to step in and take care of it all of himself, because God is just. Lord, we pray for your forgiveness, Lord. Forgive us for our foolish pride and selfishness. Forgive us for our love of money and health and wealth. We have loved that and we have made gods of those things. Forgive us, Lord. We humble ourselves today. We come before the throne. We bow our knee today. And we confess that you, Jesus Christ, is our Lord. You are Lord. 
You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's your way. Lord, cleanse us. Cleanse. Cleanse us today, Lord. Purify our hearts today. Lord, we have dared slap the label of Christian on things. Lord, and if there were Old Testament prophets around, they'd be crashing those idols down. Forgive us for our idolatry. Forgive us for profaning your name. Let us make your name holy once again in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our universities. Let us make your name holy again. Lord, forgive us for the compromise that, that Lord, we have come to because we have been so prideful and arrogant. Cleanse us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we're so sorry for breaking your heart, Lord. We have broken your heart a thousand times over, and yet you have been so patient with us. Forgive us for breaking your heart, Lord. You didn't deserve any of it, Lord. You deserve our worship. You deserve the glory, Lord. Forgive us for breaking your heart so many times. Bring us back to you today, Lord. We ask you in Jesus' name. Bring us back to you, Lord. You know, I'm, if you if, if you if you came to Christ for the first time, you came back to Christ. I want you to email. I want you to email. All right. For David dot McGuire M C G U I R E at Restored to Life. Org. I want you to email me. All right. Got some free resources. I want to email you completely free. I'll, I'll, I'll send them. I'll, if you email me, I'll email them to you. Amen. But before we go, I want to say a prayer as well. I want to say a prayer for, for Mayfield, Kentucky. I feel like the, the Lord is on this. I want to say a prayer for them. Lord, we pray for, for Mayfield, Kentucky, for the area, for the people, for the surrounding area. That your blessings are upon the area. <laughs> Lord, that speedily and swiftly recovery would happen in Jesus' name. Lord, Lord, we pray for those people. We pray for your mercy upon them. We pray that you would help to heal them from this trauma. Heal these broken hearts, Lord. Heal the families and friends who have lost loved ones in this tragic Tragic thing that happened, Lord. Even while they grieve, Lord, we pray for hope upon them. That can only come from one source, you and you alone, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget, don't forget, please, please give, all right? Um, you can you can rewind this video, by the way. So this, 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 this live stream will be available uh, right afterwards. So if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, uh, the links are in the description. Um, if, if not, if not, um, like I said, uh, you can rewind uh, to where it was put up on the screen. Oh yeah, but if you're on Twitter, if you're watching this from Twitter, you can go to my to my to my profile and how to give is also pinned up is, is the pinned tweet. I'm asking you to be merciful. Because God has been merciful to you. When God gave to you, though you didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve I didn't deserve his mercy and his grace. I didn't deserve his redemption. Yet he gave to me. Remember, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Christ didn't put, it wasn't contingent upon whether or not we were already redeemed. While we were in the worst of worst. So before you become harsh and critical and judgmental of these people in Mayfield, Kentucky. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit. I, I want to warn you. Do not say it was an act of God. Well, they deserved it, and that's why it happened. Don't you dare go there. You don't know that. Don't do that. I want you to have mercy and love and compassion by giving. I don't want you to say, oh, I'm going to pray for them. No, I want you to, I want you to call it. It's called sacrificing. Make a, I'm asking for a sacrificial gift or offering. I know none of this is tax deductible. 
I know, that, you know, let me just say that's selfish. If, if that's the reason you give, I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at tax deductible or angry at that. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's your reason for giving because it's, you can get a tax break, that's selfish. Give whether or not you think those people deserve it or not. Just give because God is that good. And you're going to act out of that goodness and kindness. Amen. So God bless you. Love you. See you next Sunday. Out of here. Bye.